Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, here with the latest episode of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. On Mondays, my guest is always Housing Wire lead analyst Logan Motoshami, so we can talk about the latest economic news. But before we dive in, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation. When you work with FGMC, you're more than a customer, you're a partner. From monthly webinars and trainings to our non-QM structure desk, our mortgage mavericks make it easy for you to be successful. We're standing by to confirm eligibility, help calculate bank statements and DTI, and evaluate credit. Reach out today. Maverick Solutions products are available through wholesale and non-delegated delivery. To access our partner resources or to submit a non-QM scenario, visit fgmc.com slash maverick. First Guarantee Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID 2917, 5800 Tennyson Parkway, Suite 450, Plano, Texas 75024. Okay, we are ready to dig in. Logan, welcome back to Housing Wire Daily. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you. As always. So today I really want to talk about your article last week on inventory and just where we are on inventory, which even after last year, after 2020, after 2021, we are still in the midst of an inventory crisis. And so that's the headline that, that of your article is housing inventory crisis continues in 2022. So what is going to make the difference? Well, I was hoping this wouldn't be the case uh, in 2022, that we would break to fresh new all-time lows. And uh, the, the recent data that we've gotten, and it's just uh, verified a troubling trend for myself uh, because I've always thought this is the big concern. And we wrote about this in Housing Wire a few months ago, that the risk is inventory can break to new all-time lows. And again, this is not a healthy housing market on that sense. And uh, we're in mid-January. We're not that far away from spring selling season. Mortgage rates are under 4%. Unemployment rates are under 4%. And inventories are at all-time lows. This is not a healthy market on that regards because people just want to buy homes for shelter. And uh, there's not that many homes out there uh, versus the demand. And as you can see, prices have escalated in years 2020 and 2021. And hopefully, hopefully the rate of growth cools down this year to something manageable. But um, as of right now, we're in inventory crisis year three uh, in 2022. You have uh, some specific stats in your story, and you kind of focused on the area that you live in in Southern California. Tell us a little bit about what does the inventory picture look like there? One of the hottest well, markets you, in the country. If you look at Southern California, of course, California uh, is a massive population of states, but you look at where the heat maps is, Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego. I mean, basically, we have millions and millions of, of people uh, living in these areas. We have less than 7,000 homes uh, <laughs> right now, currently. Uh, and and that's that's the problem. It's just that it's not it's not that we have a credit boom or housing bubble. It's just that people want somewhere to live. And when you have inventory levels at this stage, or I've always talked about if you if you take the total inventory levels of the NAR and you go 1.52 million and under, you can create unhealthy home price growth. And Southern California is a good example of this. Now, inventory is seasonal. Of course, inventory always fades in the fall and winter, and it's going to pick up in the spring and summer. But we're nowhere close now 
to where I would just consider it a balanced market. And a balanced market for me, inventory-wise, is still historically very low, but it cools the rate of growth of pricing. And we're just not starting the year off anywhere there. And that to me is, again, it's a year three of a five-year period that I was concerned about this. And now what the article tries to do is show people uh, what you we what we really need is mortgage demand weakness to give a breather uh, for the housing market in terms of inventory going. Because we don't want 2023 to start out at all-time new lows again. So I think the, the article is a little bit more specific on how to track mortgage demand and use a historical perspective. We've had times in the previous expansion where rates go up, things cool down, days on markets grow. But uh, in that article, there are lots of charts there to show that we are not there or anywhere close to there. I think one of the um, very distinctive things about this time period is as opposed to the last time where we just had demand you know, through the roof or or that imbalance in the in the housing market. It's not because people are making crazy loans to people who shouldn't be homeowners. We just have more homeowners, right? You know, I've always thought the the housing crash addicts in America, the core reason why they've been wrong for 10 years now going into year 11 is that we never really had a housing boom from 2008 to 2019. We've always had millions and millions of people buy homes, but we've never had a credit boom. And this is why I always focus on these purchase application jars that the MBA shows. 2002 to 2005, it was a, a, a kind of an anomaly on, 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 on a housing sense in terms of credit, credit expansion, the type of credit, the debt leverage. We don't have any of that. Even today, uh, you don't have a credit boom or housing boom. Millions of people buy homes. It's just that this time around, inventory has been falling. And again, this, the main story here is this has been happening since 2014. Demand picks up. Inventories fall. It's been slowly falling for eight, not eight years. It's going into year nine, and people people think that all of a sudden inventory is going to skyrocket like this, like a magic uh, beanstalk kind of event. And this is why I harped on the forbearance crash bros uh, uh, last year. Uh, our housing crash addicts are not very talented people, so you have to explain to people why inventory isn't going to skyrocket anytime soon. But again. For every positive story, because this is kind of a first world problem, Americans make more money, rates are low, people are buying homes, they're, they're securing their shelter costs at a very at a very low rate, but it also drains the inventory. And uh, I was hoping this wouldn't be the case, uh, that we would break to new all-time lows, and we are here right now currently. Well, we're going to get to mortgage rates here in a minute. Uh, we always do, right? I mean, our audience wants to know and lots of things happening there. But first, I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned uh, MBA mortgage purchase application data. And in this article, you really talk about a specific time period that you track. And I, I thought it was really interesting that you're really showing people if you want to see where this is going to break or if it's not going to break here, here's the time period you need to focus on. Yeah. And this is a good example of what happened in 2013 and 14. Uh, 2013, home prices started accelerating really hot, but we kind of we didn't really have the demographic demand back then to support that kind of price growth. And what happened is mortgage rates, the 10-year yield went from 160 to 3%. Mortgage rates went up uh, half a percent to 1% uh, in a very short time. The rate of growth of pricing cooled down significantly. And that happened toward the second half of 2013. And then in 2014, purchase application data were down on trend 20% year over year. Uh, it got to the lowest levels ever adjusting to population. And even back then, monthly supply never broke over six months. And you're looking at the lowest levels uh, in that index uh, versus the population. So 
I, I would love for something like that to happen just to create more days on the market. But that was a good example of what you know softness looks like without crashing the market. And I think that's the context. There's we've always heard people, well, when rates rise, housing will crash. Rates rose a few times in the previous expansion with the weakest housing recovery ever. And guess what? It cools the rate of growth of sales. It cools the rate of growth of pricing, but it doesn't crash uh, housing. Uh, millions and millions of people buy homes. And even with 5% mortgage rates in 2018, total home sales, new and existing, uh, got to about 6 million. So we're so far away from that that uh, what I want is the 10-year yield to break over 1.94% to cool the market because that's something we've talked about here on Housing Wire since the summer of 2020. You're like, what could cool this down? The 10-year yield getting over 1.94%. What I What is the thing I don't think can happen last year? The 10-year yield getting over 1.94%. What is it today? Still 1.72%. Well, and, and, you know, rising rates work against the inventory in another way. If, if you refied and you have this amazing rate now, why, you know, if you already own a home, not, not the first time home buyers, but if you already own a home, we're seeing that 10 year rise, right? People are staying in their homes longer. And one of the reasons is we, we just had all those millions of people refi. And now if it, as rates rise, if they're going to buy a new home, a, a step up home or whatever, um, they're going to they're gonna be paying much higher rates. And even though they're still historically low, if you're the person who just locked in this amazing refi rate, it's going gonna, it's gonna to discourage you, right? Well, here's something. I'm not a big fan of the mortgage rate lockdown premise. I know it gets talked about a lot, but we've actually never had a period of time where mortgage rates were higher for a very long time. And we're talking about a few years. So what occurred in 2018 is mortgage rates got all the way to 5%. And purchase application data had like maybe, I think, three negger prints. People still bought homes. People bought homes with higher higher mortgage rates because there's a certain type of home buyer every year that needs shelter, right? Whether it's a move up, move down, or first-time home buyer, millions of people buy homes. Now, the mortgage rate lockdown premise, I think in if housing tenure was running at five years or less, like we saw from 1985 to 2007, that premise might have had a little bit more validity to it. But what the thing is that people buy a home and they stay there for a really long time. So even if rates came down lower, there was, there was a, a, a theory that if rates go down lower, inventory will increase. Yeah, that's never happened. Okay, uh, What happens is demand gets weak and inventory increases a little bit. And we've, we've seen that in the previous expansion. So there's not enough turnover of homes for that to really be a big driver. I think if you had, let's say, I'm going to give a hypothetical, let's say mortgage rates were five to 6% for like six to seven years, and you're looking at a two and a half percent, the cost of debt to purchase a home is, is you're paying more. And if you're buying a bigger house, most likely you're paying more. But in theory, if you needed a house, it's still that total payment value, whether it's at 5% or 3%, it's do you need to move, right? And since housing tenure is past 10 years, a lot of people just buy and they've sat there. And, and again, there is a positive and a negative to every story. And the positive, if you look at homeowners, they're on, on paper the best ever, right? Fixed low debt costs, rising wages. They stay in their homes, they have nested equity. A lot of people have equity. If they needed to buy a house, they could sell and, and, and put a bigger down payment on. But the rate situation, we've never really had a period where rates were higher for a very long time. I think 2017 to 2018 uh, was a recent uh, example, mortgage rates 
went all the way up to five uh, percent in 2018. We still had six million total home sales. The rate of growth of housing cools with higher rates. It doesn't crash the market, but again, people just love their homes they live in, and they stay in there longer, and they they fix it up and stuff. It's just not a very turnover sector right now, and and it's doubled in some areas. I know here in Southern California, it's 15, 16 years. I've been in my home for 17 years. Wow. So uh, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about enough. And I, I really do believe it's a very big story. And it explains the downtrend in total inventory since 2014, which if you look at the purchase application data, what happened since 2014? Purchase application data has been rising. So you kind of, again, don't make it complicated. You know, uh, <laughs> demand is rising, supply is falling, supply is low, you know, and uh, it's an issue right now because we have broken down a key level for me. And this was the concern about years 2020 to 2024. You know, I, I watch a uh, show on HGTV or one, one of the networks. I don't even know, uh, love it or list it. And and the premise is someone's going to come into your home and and make it. You know, they want to leave, but if you could transform my home, I'll stay. Meanwhile, there's there's a real estate agent that's like, no, I'm going to get you your dream home, everything you want. And they they almost never pick to move. Almost never. They come. You know, even if they hate their home and they're ready to move, when they come and they see it change, there's just you know, people are just always rational people, right? And and the real estate guy's like, I got you everything you wanted, and they're like, No, no, we're gonna stay. And I just think there's a lot of psychology at work there. Yeah, it is. And and the psychology is that we've you know we've created an industry on how to make your home better. You know, and uh, a lot of money goes into your house. So uh, I, I mean, just personal experience. People go, well, we could buy something where we could fix it up. Well, look at Home Depot and Lowe's and their stocks have done great. We have an, an enterprise of uh, financial networks that show you, hey, listen, you can do it yourself. So it, it's much different than what we saw from 1985 to 2007, right? So I think that's that's always been a big theme of mine. People are just staying in their homes longer. They don't really need to move and. Uh, something I talked about on Twitter uh, uh, this morning is that if you look at post-1996, monthly supply, and the reason I, I would go post-1996, the civilian labor force is much bigger and mortgage rates took another leg down. If you take the housing bubble crash, the credit boom, job loss recession out of the equation, it's actually extremely rare to get monthly supply above six months for the existing home sales marketplace, right? It, it, it took a credit boom, bust, and a recession and we had a few years where supply was over, but we're not there now. Again, again, the homeowner going into this COVID crisis was in much better shape. And people just don't foreclose for no reason, right? You know, if you have a fixed low debt cost, rising wages, you're, you're living here, your family, your kids are going to school, you built a relationship with that community. That's different than an investor. And this is why I always tell people, be cautious of real estate investors and their housing takes. They look at the world much differently. And this is why a lot of these individuals on their YouTubes and their other other channels have been wrong for a very long time. Yeah, that no, that's always good to note. Um, so let's let's talk more about rates. You, you touched on it. So last week we had Freddie Mac, their uh, average rate that they that they tracked in their PMMS mortgage survey. Average thirty uh, year fixed was um, three point four five. Which so that that's on the uphill line, right? But that's still within your channel of what you think, you know, hey, you're looking at tenure in this in this channel, which means you're looking at rates in this channel. So explain to us why that doesn't bother you. Well, personally, I actually want rates to go up to cool the market. But again, what I want and what I can get never happens. Uh, in this regards, it's 
the same thing I've talked about in going into 2021. It's very hard for the 10-year yield to get over 1.94%. And this has started actually from 2019, the second half of 2019, when we had an inverted yield curve. Uh, so let's rewind. Let's take all the things that we've had happen to us since 2021. We've had the hottest economic growth in decades. We have smoking hot inflation data. And the 10-year yield today, even with all the aggressive Fed talk, taper, rate hikes, everything, is at 1.72. Um, the 2021. Did you have to say we are recording this ahead of time, so it may not be 1.72 on that. It, it is true. Yeah, uh, it, uh, Monday morning it might not be, but we just had the uh, uh, Federal Reserve just talk about um, uh, being very aggressive and wanting to fight inflation, and still 1.72. Uh, I've always cautioned people that the higher the higher range of this kind of a 10-year yield forecast between 62 basis points and 1.94 is about 3.375 and 3.625. There's been times in the pre where my bond yield ranges actually get broken above a little bit and under, but the duration of the year really typically stays in there. Um, if we can close above 1.9 and get bond market selling, then then you know we can get rates above 3.75, and then maybe that'll cool down housing and create more days on the market. But as you can see, it is very difficult to do that, and that's more of a technical basis on the bond market go down to your trend uh, uh, from 1981. And if you look at it in that way. The, the mortgage rates and the 10-year yield make sense. If you're trying to incorporate, well, inflation is as hot as it was you know, decades ago and mortgage rates were above 10%. Yeah, that's not working out for you. That hasn't worked out for you for a long time. So trend is your end. This is why I say we wait until we can close above 1.94%. I even give a premise in the 2022 forecast on how we could get the 10-year yield to 2.4%, but none of that is still here. And today we're still below that 1.94%. We haven't even come close to testing it. So the upper upper range of the forecast is here, the same thing I talked about last year, 3.375 to 3.625. I know some people could say it's a little bit higher, it's a little bit lower. In any case, you get the drift, rates 4%. Unemployment rates are under 4%. Inventory is at all-time lows. It's an issue here, right? Uh, it's not a healthy market in that regard. No, it's great. And I mean, you know, obviously 3.45% is still incredibly low. It's just if you compare it to 2020, a year at the same time, the, the rate was 2.79. So it, it really just depends on you what know, you know. It's, it's the payment, you know, in some cases, it's $17 higher. In some cases, it's $38 higher. In some, the $8, it really depends on the size of the loan. But in general context, you can see why post-1996, it's really rare to get uh, existing home sales under four because the general payment level, the total principal interest taxes insurance, or as mortgage people call it, PITI, um, the total is just very low compared to the people's wages. And I think that's the context. And when I talk about you know how to cool the market, you can get sales rate of growth decline, but we even back at 5% mortgage rates, you know, we went from, I think, 0.71 million to about 4.98 million. That sales range, uh, the rate of growth slowed down, but you still had 6 million total home sales because the payment levels are there. So of course, people say, well, there's a down payment issue or guess what? Listen, if housing was really soft, inventory demand goes down noticeably for a long duration. It's not been the case. Uh, it, it can fluctuate with the rate levels. But again, we're talking sub 4% now. Uh, and you, people got to realize uh, there's a group of Americans, which we call the DICE, uh, double income college educated. 
college educated income people with double incomes make money, right? And uh, the payment levels are just not high enough to really crash the housing market, especially sub 4%. I do believe the rate of growth can slow down, but you need that 10-year yield to crack. And again, the frustration is that I it's just hard for me how we see fresh new all-time lows in inventory, and we're not that far away from the selling season. And areas, it's just it's just not enough homes and prices can rise in an unhealthy way. And this would be year three of year five. And then that means the majority of the period of time, inventories are down that level. And it's just not what I wanted to see, but it's being so we have to analyze it and try to find inflection points uh, here at Housing Wire. And that's my job. But again, uh, if, if growth and inflation was your meal ticket to six, 7% interest rates, not happen. Hasn't happened. Follow the bond market. She is mother economics in its purest and biggest fashion. She doesn't really care about, you know, what you perceived to be the uh, correct case. She's just following the long-term downtrend. I think your point about how we're about to come into the spring selling season is just very important. Um, I follow the Sacramento appraisal blog, which Ryan Lundquist, who's an appraisal in Sacramento, writes. And I find it you know, very interesting. And it's one of the things he said is like, if you look at days on market right now, if you look at the activity right now, this is supposed to be sort of the, the, the low season, right? I mean, we're in winter and it is lower. It is lower than, than last spring or summer, but it's not your typical fall winter season. You know, I, you know, you know, what's really interesting. I, I, and I've written about this for housing wire, our best existing home sales prints have always come in the fall and winter. Uh, they came this year. It came last year. It came the year before. And in the previous expansion, it, it has as well. So there could be demand during this period. But what I try to focus people on is the days on market on the NAR reports. When you get above 30 days, uh, 30 to 45 days. I, I I remember when that was happening in 2018, 19. I know a lot of realtors weren't happy, but uh, things weren't selling fast. But I was like, wow, this is a balanced market. People have choices. This is good. You know, if we just have a market like this, you won't get frenzied. So here we're at 18. Anything on the teenager side, and even in that article I showed the uh, the NAR's report on uh, the, the, the days on market, comparing it to even parts of 2020, we're still at a teenager. This is not what you want to see because what happens is there's just not enough homes out there. Uh, and the whole forbearance thing wasn't going to you know create millions of homes that come on the market like that. That was never the case. That, that's not how it works even. But um, we're going into the spring season with a teenager print. Uh, we have one more sales report for the month of December, but uh, for myself going into 2022, the sales ranges forecast that I have are actually lower than what we have because to me, existing home sales have been outperforming. We've seen mortgage demand pick up the last 18 weeks of the year. So we'll see what happens in spring. But right now, again, crisis, again, year three of this unique five-year period in US economic history. So people can go to housingwire.com. They have to be HW Plus members to read your stuff. And so, you know, that's a very, in my opinion, a very uh, reasonable amount to pay for the kind of insight that you're giving. They, they get other uh, long form news as well, but you have your inventory story on there. You have your 2022 forecast. What do you, that, that's already on there. What are you looking forward to this week? What, what are some of the reports coming out? Well, housing starts are going to come out. Uh, uh, and again, um, you know, the builders are really happy lately, you know, for all the complaining about lumber and material costs and delays and everything. Why are they so happy? Because they can pass the costs on to the consumer. As long as they can sell their homes or they perceive they think they can sell their homes, 
that trend will increase. Uh, so, so look at it in that context when you see the builder's confidence. It has been rising now. We've had recent new home sales misses with negative revisions, but the permits have been picking up because the builders feel, okay, I, we can sell this product. I know if you look at the builder's uh, earnings or profit margins are good because they could pass it along. Again, another very unhealthy sector in terms of, you can see the median price growth really pick up in 2020 and 2021. They're making money. That's their job, right? Uh, but again, it's it's the long-term sustainability of a balanced market gets at risk when you get inventories this low. And they have benefited from total inventory levels falling to where they are in the existing home sales market, which never was the case from 2008 to 2019. As you can see, a lot of things change in years 2020 to 2024 that we didn't have to worry about in the previous expansion. Well, people should be tuning in, uh, listening to this podcast, but also looking on housingwire.com. In addition, I am hosting um, the virtual 2022 forecast event on February 8th, which features you. It features Selma Hep from CoreLogic, Marina Walsh from the MBA, and Jeff Tucker from Zillow, all economists talking about, you know, what does this look like going forward? I'm really excited about that. Yes, all the nerds getting together. It's good times. <laughs> and uh, not only are each of you going to get an opportunity to talk about your own past, the different parts of, uh, of the housing, how, how that affects housing, we're going to have a roundtable at the end and people can ask questions, which I know you get tons of questions on social. We get tons of questions uh, for you through our portals. So really excited. People can tune in and they can send questions to you ahead of time that you can consider, correct? Yes. And also, you know, um, if people have Instagram, my Instagram uh, is basically a 24-7 nerds fest. And ask as many questions, I will literally give you uh, answers back. Again, my job is to show you the pathway to where the economy is going and where the housing market is going. So uh, no questions are bad questions. Any question is a good question. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Questions are a good thing, like reading. All right. Well, Logan, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for uh, once again being on Housing Wire Daily. My pleasure to be here always, Sarah. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingware.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.